0: Turn in your Bibles to Acts 24, verses 1 through 21, our text for this morning's uh, sermon. Christianity is, is not a neutral entity. Jesus said, do not think I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Uh, Zealous believers are uh, very typically the object of scorn these days, and that's the case to such an extent that we often forget the fanaticism of the enemies of the gospel and the extraordinary lengths to which they will go in order to destroy uh, the Christian church, including, as we see in our passage today, the the enlisting of false accusations. Uh, Some years ago, uh, when the discussion of closing the Eastern Heights PCA church was underway, the church was out on Stevenson Avenue, I was accused of wanting to seize that property in order to move our facility from here to the south side. So I had this vision of this vast structure somehow on wheels being rolled out to Durin and then uh, finally over to, over to Stevenson. Um, of, co- of course, the whole idea was absurd, uh, but nevertheless, uh, these things happen in, in the ministry and in, in, these things happen in connection with the Christian church and with our gospel. We get accused of things that we don't believe. Uh, we're accused of being anti-women. We're accused of being homophobic and transphobic and hate mongers. Uh, We're accused of envisioning and uh, and attempting to impose a kind of dystopian handmaid's tale upon the rest of society. So the apostle Paul is is facing his own sort of public charges, all of which were untrue, uh, that he's going to face now in front of Felix, the Roman governor. His opponents have have instigated three riots. They have conspired to kill him. Um, The tribune stepped in and protected him, and he was transported from Jerusalem to Caesarea, some 55 miles to the northwest as the crow flies. His enemies then are traveling behind him, those 55 miles, in order to perjure and slander the apostle Paul. So why are they doing that? Well, it's not because of uh, political reasons, any kind of political claims that he is making even though uh, they will accuse him of that. No, the the real thing is, uh, the real reasons are religious. Uh, The gospel is a stumbling block as it says in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul speaks of the offense of the cross in Galatians 5. Uh, Peter in in, uh, 1 Peter 2 refers to the gospel as a rock of offense, Uh, the word there in in Greek is scandalon, from which we get our word to scandalize. It is a scandal. Uh, it is viewed as a scandal by, by the world. And so, we want to look uh, this morning at the accusations that are made and then the Apostle Paul's uh, defense. And we want to note uh, the contemporary ring of what we see. So, let's look first at the accusations. Beginning in first one, after five days The high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus, and they laid before the governor their case against Paul. So you have Herod, Uh, Paul's been five days in Herod's Herod's praetorium, Annas, Ananias rather, and the elders and uh, the spokesman, Tertullus, Uh, the Greek word for spokesman is rhetoris, from which we get our word rhetoric. So he's a, you know, a silver-tongued lawyer who's going to prosecute the case on behalf of the priests. Uh, Felix is the governor, relatively new governor, uh, noted by the Roman author Tacitus for being brutal and harsh in his rule. So looking at verse 2, when uh, he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him saying, and then there flows then the customary flatteries. Uh, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way, everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. Now, there would have been very few people in uh, the region who would have agreed with with that characterization. Eventually, he was so brutal that he was recalled by Nero, but uh, you see the opposition is willing to do whatever it takes uh, including flatter a tyrant in order to see to it that the apostle Paul and his gospel is destroyed. Yeah, t- continuing verse 4 uh, and 5 with the formal charges. But to detain you no further, we don't want to waste your time. Uh, this is relatively unimportant for you. Uh, so we'll get right down to business. Uh, we, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly, for we have found this man a plague. So first of all, we have the political charges among his, these accusations. He's a plague. He's a pest. Uh, the word has a, uh, kind of the ring of treason to it. Uh, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews uh, throughout the world. Uh, see, this, this man is a troublemaker. And you, Felix, you are responsible uh, for maintaining the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. That's your job. Yeah, here's an individual who stirs up trouble. He's a troublemaker. Hey, he, the riots are, are erupting everywhere that he goes. You can't allow this to go on. Uh, you need to eliminate uh, this troublemaker and preserve the peace. Uh, they're, they're, they're certainly implying that that is his job, to see that there's no more uh, uh, of this uh, trouble uh, uh, issuing from the Apostle Paul. And then uh, religious charges. So he stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader. That's a quasi-military term, indicating that he is a threat to the public order. A ringleader of the sect, in other words, a cult, an illegal sect, Uh, the root word there is uh, the word from which we get our word, heresy. Uh, So he's the the ringleader of this sect uh, uh, of the Nazarenes, and if you remember the Comment of one of the disciples that uh, can anything the question can anything good come out of Nazareth so if it 's a sect of the nazarenes it 's just another it 's just another cut it's it 's an, it's another attempt to discredit the apostle paul he's he 's with uh, these uh, country bumpkins from uh, from nazareth this heretical sect and he 's the ringleader he 's the one that's uh, that 's spreading all this uh, these problems uh, he is the one who is the threat to uh, the the public order. And so, he is one who needs to be suppressed. Continuing in verse 6, he even tried to profane the temple, but uh, we seized him. Uh, by examining him yourself, you'll be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him in uh, verse uh, verse 8. So, among the background information that I think is helpful to know is that uh, Judaism was a legal religion. It was a hard-fought battle by the Jews to gain that status. And it meant that they resisted the cult of the emperor, which they refused to participate in. They refused to call Caesar Lord. They refused to compromise Old Testament religion. And so they eventually, through much suffering, they gained legal status. And, and what the high priest, and uh, through his spokesman, is meant to be saying is that they are not one of us, Paul and uh, these Nazarenes. They are not one of us. They should not be considered a a protected religion. No, he is the ringleader of a cult, of a sect, and a dangerous one of that. And further proof that he's not one of us, he did that which no Jew would ever do. He profaned our temple. So all of this is is untrue, but I I think that we should notice uh, even, even as in in verse 9, they all kind of gang up on, on him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And I think it's important to recognize that falsehoods and lies, they, they gain ground because there's always an element of plausibility in connection with them. Uh, Spurgeon famously said that... Uh, that falsehoods circle the globe in the time the truth gets its boots on. Uh, and, and, and so, this, this is what we have, we, we have here. Was the Apostle Paul in the temple? Yes. Did he profane the temple? No, he didn't profane uh, the, 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 the temple. Um, was the Apostle Paul causing riots? Well, there were riots in connection with the Apostle Paul. See, there's some plausibility. There were riots. They just happened in Jerusalem. They happened in Asia Minor. They happened in Europe. They happened in the Middle East, wherever the Apostle Paul, where there were riots. Was he stirring up the riots? No, he wasn't. But you see, there's that, there's that element of truth. There is that plausibility in connection with the accusations that are, are being made. You know, and we, we face similar kinds of things these, these days. Do, do we believe in male headship in the family and in the home? Uh, yes. Does that mean the hand, hand, handmaid's tale? Uh, there's an element of truth in that. We do, we do believe in these things. Do we believe that that uh, that it, uh, that uh, that uh, marriage is the the, the union of a, a man and a woman for life? Uh, yes, we do. Uh, th- th- does does that mean that we're uh, homophobic, as it were, or that we hate everybody that disagrees with us? No, that would be false. We we don't hate. Uh, uh, we don't hate people to disagree with us. We're commanded by Jesus to love our neighbor and love even our enemies. So there's, you know, there's an element of plausibility. That's, that's, uh, that's where lies gain falsehoods, gain uh, uh, credibility. And, and why they spread so rapidly is because there's an element of truth that, that takes hold in, in the understanding of other people. So is the, um, is the apostle Paul going to uh, defend himself or not? So I want to draw out what we've seen in previous weeks as well. You see, there are those who would say, oh, you know, just, uh, you know, just continue to, do, to conduct your ministry, Paul. Don't respond to the charges. Trust God. Don't defend yourself. Uh, just uh, just uh, speak the truth. Don't uh, respond to the charges that are being, being made. Um, uh, you, you need to just let, let uh, God handle these things in His, in his own way. So, we've not seen that to be the case with the Apostle Paul in previous weeks. No, he, 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 he claims his rights as a Roman citizen. He claims his right as, as a Jew under Old Testament law. He, he will appeal to co-belligerents, the Pharisees, to join with him in defending the doctrine of the resurrection. And, and what we see here is that the Apostle Paul is going to do the same. He will respond to their charges and defend himself. The implication being, if he doesn't defend himself, Uh, he will be assumed to be guilty of the crimes of which he is accused. So let's look then at uh, his defense. I want us to note that he omits referring to his accusers directly. Uh, He doesn't make any counter charges. I I mean, there are things that he could say. He could say, look, these people had me bound. These people have insulted me. These people have lied about me. These people beat me and conspired to kill me and had me imprisoned. He doesn't respond to any of that. He merely responds to the charges. So beginning in verse 10, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, uh, politely we note, and yet categorically denying the charges, knowing that for many years you have been judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. Uh, Number one to the charge of, does he stir up riots? So we're looking at his defense. First defense is, does he stir up riots uh, you can verify that it was not more than 12 days since i went up to worship in jerusalem i've only been here 12 days that's not enough time to organize riots i just arrived and and, and uh, you know i don't i don't i don't have a, a social media account I, I can't organize a flash mob in, in a matter of a, just a few hours or just a few days. I've just been here for a short time. There would not be time, adequate time on foot walking from door to door to organize some kind of a, 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 a riot. Uh, continuing uh, in, 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 in verse 11, I've been here just for tw- uh, tw- 12 days. When I went up to worship in Jerusalem, that's all I came to do. I just came to worship, and they did not find me disputing. When, when, when they located me, what was I doing? I wasn't disputing with anyone. I wasn't stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or, or, or in, in the city. Nothing was happening, according to verse 12 in the Apostles' Appeal. I was minding my own business. Verse 13, neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. They cannot demonstrate what I'm saying to be otherwise. They cannot prove their accusations. And the, the unstated, unstated, but definitely the implication, uh, an unstated claim is that they're the ones that stirred up the riots. They are the disturbers of the peace. I wasn't doing anything to stir up a riot or a crowd or, or, or to do anything that was unlawful. Uh, so, their, their 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 claims against me that that, uh, that I disturbed the peace are, are are false. They're the ones that disturbed the peace. Uh, their claim that I was preaching against the law, preaching against the temple, preaching and bringing a Gentile into profane uh, the, the the temple. These he categorically denies, and and they. Uh, as, as for the charge in verse 5, that, that I was doing this throughout the whole world, no, no, the same is true there as well. All I did, he's saying, in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, Asia Minor, in Europe, all I did was preach the gospel. And uh, Jerusalem, he only did any speaking at all when he was spoken to. And yet he's being accused, like Elijah was, of being a troubler of Israel. First Kings 18:27 Even as he was minding his own business, you're a troubler of Israel. And let me let me suggest to you that this has always been the case wherever revivals have taken place, wherever biblical Christianity has been proclaimed. You can go back to the uh, early centuries, Athanasius, with whom the motto contra mundum is associated, going back to the you know the 3rd and 4th centuries. Athanasius against the world in his defense of of, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. He was exiled seven or eight times by the government of the Eastern Roman Empire. You know, the various uh, medieval Catholic uh, monastic orders were all seen as troublers, the Bernard and the Cistercians and the Franciscans and the Dominicans with the revival of these preaching orders. They were all seen as troublers of the church initially before they were finally sanctioned. Of course, the reformers, the period of the Reformation, all seen as troublemakers, dividing the unity of Christendom Among, amongst the English reformers. you know, So many of them burned at the stake. Cranmer, Ridley, Latimer, Hooper, Bradshaw, all burned at the stake. Troublers, pl- troublers of England. Uh, during the period that followed the Puritan era, you know, troublers of the church, the Puritans, the Great Awakening. George Whitfield was not allowed to preach in many of the churches. I attended one of those churches when I was in England. St. Mary's Redcliffe had barred the doors and wouldn't let him in, forcing Edwards out into the fields where he was able to gather then, then crowds by the thousands and even tens of thousands of people to hear his preaching, but they were all seen as troublers of the church. The apostle Paul here is being accused of, he is a troubler. I think that what we see here is is what um, today is commonly called projection. Those who accuse others of division often divide. Who accuse others of polarization, accuse us of polarization, they polarize. If we're accused of uh, uh, disruption, it's by those who disrupt. If we are uh, accused of being unloving, it's people who don't love. I have found over the years that when uh, someone comes to me concerned that we are not loving enough in this church, I I start to duck right away because I know I'm about to hear about the most unloving things that I have ever heard. There's tremendous irony in this phenomena of projection. And, and so that, that's what we see here. They're, calling, they're accusing the Apostle Paul of the very thing that they had done in stirring up these, these riots uh, against them. So uh, beware, beware of this phenomena. You know, when you point the, pi- the finger at, at someone else, just beware of this, uh, this problem that we all have uh, of accusing others of the very thing of which we are guilty. This is what Jesus was saying when he said, Judge not lest you be judged. Beware of trying to pick the speck out of your brother's eyes when you have a log in your own. But this is what we do, and this is what is common, and this is what we see so often in the, in the, the, the realm of the church and in, in the political realm as well. Second charge is that he was a cult leader. Five, back to that verse 5, he's a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Uh, what's the Apostle Paul's answer to that? Verse 14, but this I confess to you, not the crime, but the, the following conviction. This I confess to you that according to the way, which is the one of the favorite terms of self-designation among the earliest Christians, which they call a sect, but it's not I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. That word worship is uh, the word from which we get our word liturgy, and the Apostle Paul is simply saying here, I preach the old-time religion. I'm preaching the, the religion of the law and the prophets, which represents the whole of the Old Testament. Mine is the religion of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, the prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus. Believing, he says in verse 14, all that is laid down by the law and written by the prophets. We're not, we Christians, we're not a heretical sect. We're orthodox. We are not departing from the Scriptures. We are the fulfillment of the Scriptures. We don't contradict the Old Testament. We complete the Old Testament. Peter, back in Acts 3, 24, said, All the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. Ours is just a biblical religion. And what the Apostle Paul and the others claim is that there's just, there, there is one theme in the Bible, and that is salvation by grace, by faith, by Christ, the Christ who was promised in the Old Testament, who has arrived in the New Testament. And the whole Bible is about the process whereby the Messiah is brought into the world to save his people from their sin. The Old Testament about that process and the New Testament about his revival, uh, arrival and then reflections back on that arrival and on all that was prophesied about him. And all the promises and types and institutions and offices of the Old Testament pointed to him and were fulfilled by him. And notice as well that the final authority for these things for the Apostle Paul is Scripture. Uh, What he claims about Christianity is that we're just affirming what's in the Bible. We're just affirming what's in the Old Testament. It's the law and the prophets. It's the whole Old Testament. That's what we are in continuity with. That's what we believe. That's what we affirm. That's what we preach. And and, and then verse, uh, verse 15, having a hope in God, which these men, pointing no doubt to the Pharisees among them, accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So, what, uh, what is a cult? Uh, they're accused of being a cult. Christianity is uh, accused of being this uh, aberrant uh, sectarian group. What's a cult? A cult essentially comes down to this. It rejects history. A cult is a group that thinks we are the first one to have the truth. No one else has seen it before us. We have it. We alone, of all people and of all of history, uh, they reject the creeds, they reject the councils, they reject the theologians of the church, they reject the collected wisdom of the church. They say, we alone have it. We have arrived. You need to come with us. And they reject every other voice in all, all other groups. We have the truth and no one else has it. That's a cult. The Apostle Paul is saying exactly the opposite of that. He's saying, no, no, we believe the Bible. We believe the law. We believe the prophets. We, we affirm what has been affirmed by the people of God all throughout the centuries. Uh, my early years here, um, as we began to grow as a church, um, I was accused of leading a cult, uh, that we had become a cult here and that, uh, that uh, I was the next David Koresh, and that we were facing a, a Waco-type conflagration that would take place here. Now, this was seriously uh, accused. It was accused all over the country. It, this, was, this accusation was broadcast. What was our answer to that? Our answer to that was, we're just practicing biblical Christianity we're, we, we affirm the creeds. We affirm the Westminster Confession of Faith and the larger and shorter catechism. We're just traditional Presbyterians. That's all that we are doing. That's, in effect, what the Apostle Paul is saying here. That's all that we are. We're just affirming the whole Bible. You know, and that's also what we have to say to our accusers today who, who accuse us of disturbing the peace and of being uh, haters and 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 um, uh, th- these sorts of things. No, we just, what, what's our answer to that? The Christianity is 2,000 years old, and that's all that we're practicing. The, the moral code of Christianity has been around for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years, Christians have been saying, there's one way to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Him. We've been saying that for 2,000 years. Why are you surprised? We're not some new group saying something unusual, we're not saying something bizarre, something out of the ordinary, something unprecedented, something that's never been said before. Are you kidding? No, we're just just traditional Christians. What we say about Christian doctrine and about Christian morals is basically what everybody has said for 2,000 years, whether they're Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or one of the many branches of Protestantism. We stand in continuity with them. you are outside the norm. You are the the ones, if we wanted to be direct and blunt about it, who have stepped outside of the norms and have brought about a revolution uh, in belief and practice and and, and introduced the the, the poison of modernity into into many of of the churches throughout our country. So, are we the disruptors of the peace? No. No. Was it the Apostle Paul? No. It's a projection. We're not being divisive. We're just saying what our fathers and forefathers and foremothers have said, and we will continue to say those things. And then the last of these uh, defenses, so his defense was, no, he didn't stir up riots. No, he's not a cult leader. and no, he didn't profane the temple. Interesting phrasing in verse six where it says he tried to profane because previously they said He did. They've had to withdraw, soften the accusation because they know that He didn't. What they're saying is, well, He would have. This is what He would have done if we hadn't stopped Him. And uh, their reference to uh, speaking against the Law and the Prophets, that's been dropped as well. So, even though the Apostle Paul asserted it, they didn't bring it back up because once again they were falsely accusing him and they knew it wouldn't stand in a courtroom under oath. So, in verse 16, um, the Apostle goes on, "'So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man. I try to do what I know to be true and right, I take pains, I labor to do what's true and what's right, always. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. That's all I was doing. That's all. And while I was doing this, they found me, and they found me what? Purified in the temple. I had even observed the regulations regarding purification rites. They found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they followed me again. The fanaticism of the, of, the, of the opponents followed me to hundreds of miles from Asia Minor. They pursued me. They ought to be here before you and to make an accusation uh, if they have anything against me. In other words, put them under oath and make them make the claims that they've made about me. Verse 20, or else let these men say themselves say, what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other, verse 21, than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. So, what's the apostle done? He's brought them back to the real issue. What's the real issue? It's Jesus and the resurrection. You see the last, the last sentence there? Hey, here's, what I'm, here's really what this is all about. It's, it's all about the resurrection of the dead. It's all about the Jesus whom Paul uh, proclaims and that he has risen from the dead. So he's, he's rebutted the, the accusations, and I think that we do the same thing. We preach and we defend our moral code. We preach and we defend male headship in the home and in the church. We preach and defend the normativity of marriage as one man and one woman for life. We defend the male-female binary. But we know that the real issue to which we want to return again and again and again is Jesus and the resurrection. Who is Jesus? Who was raised from the dead and who is alive and reigning and one day will return? What are you going to do with him? How will you respond to him? That's the crux of the matter. That's really what it all comes down to. Will you deal with Jesus? Will you recognize that He is the Savior and the Lord, and so will you repent of your sins, put your trust in Him, and submit to His Lordship over you through His word? That's what it all comes down to. That ultimately is our message. And yes, we defend ourselves when we're falsely accused. Yes, we want to clarify what we mean by what we say. No, we're not going to retract the Christian moral code or household uh, code. No, we believe all those things, because we're under the lordship of Christ. But the thing that we really are all about is Jesus and the resurrection, the risen, ascended, living, returning Jesus before whom we will all stand and who will judge. What will you do with him? Uh, Will you hear him? Will you hear his call to you? Will you hear his call to repent and believe and be saved? Or will you walk out of here and walk away and never look back? May it not be so. May the opportunity to receive the forgiveness of sins, to be reconciled to your Maker, and to know that you have eternal life not be missed, not for another moment as we pray together. Our Father in heaven, We give thanks, O Lord, for the the great ones that you raise up to lead and defend your church. We rejoice in the Apostle Paul and his labors to spread your gospel and to defend that gospel, and above all else, to preach Jesus and the resurrection. And O Lord, we pray that we might be faithful to defend our, our faith from the false accusations as they begin to multiply all around us today. And may we be faithful to defend it. And may we not lose sight of the heart of the issue, Jesus and the resurrection, as we pray in his name, amen.